Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Glad you're with us for the next couple of hours. We're going to be all over the place today. Busy, busy program coming up on a Tuesday after a Pretty good night of college basketball, although none of the uh, needle movers in the state saw action last night. Uh, it was a good night overall. We'll talk a lot about that. And if you think the last night was good, tonight's got a chance to be really, really good, as we've got about five games that uh, are going to be impactful, or at least at this point, you would think they have a chance to be. Coming up on the program today, as we mentioned yesterday, a guy by the name of Keith Miller, Professor Keith Miller. He's a professor at the at Drake. Uh, and he is extremely tuned in to sports wagering in Iowa. He has written numerous, numerous papers. He has been a, uh, uh, a speaker at numerous events throughout the country. He's the go-to guy seemingly for the Des Moines Register when there's a sports wagering question and they want some expertise. Uh, Keith Miller at Drake has provided them with that. So we thought, well, you know what? Let's hear another voice. And we reached out to him and Keith Miller is going to join us here in about 25 minutes. Because as we've talked about over the last few days, there seems to be, or at least there seemed to be, a path to uh, getting this approved in the state, and that would have been uniformity. That would have been one voice going forward. Well, as we saw last week, there's a whole bunch of voices that want to be heard, and uh, we will uh, see if indeed that uh, becomes an impediment uh, towards this being passed, which seemed like, again, like it was going to happen. Still might, still hopefully will, believe it will, uh, but we'll get Keith to chime in here in about 20 minutes minutes his take uh, and an educated take at that and look forward to hearing from him shelby mast he's our bracketologist he's back with us on tuesday we were off last tuesday had an abbreviated program so we moved him around like to have shelby after the monday night games as there's always big games on monday nights including two weeks from last night trent the game of the I've moved on. Oh, yeah. I find I've identified another game of the year in the Big 12. It's not Iowa State, no, Kansas State Iowa anymore. State can't beat TCU. You don't so, belong in the game of the year category if you can't beat TCU on your home floor, and they can't. Red X through the yes. Cyclones. Yes. Okay. Well, right. no, not the, not the year, but just the game. Okay. Now, look, it's still pretty important Saturday. Yes. But game of the year status was over the top. I apologize. <laughs> it is Kansas and K-State, and it's two weeks from last night. Uh, appointment television at 8 o'clock. At least you would think there's games to be played before then. There was one played last night that we're going to spend some time on here in a few minutes. But Shelby Mast, bracketologist, bracketwag.com. He is the USA Today. He is Gannett's bracketologist. Saw Randy Peterson quoted our guy Shelby Mast in his column. Boy, I've been getting the paper so infrequently lately. Oh, really? It has not shown up. Weather playing havoc in Ankeny? Yeah, I guess. No, I never got a Sunday paper. Ooh, that here's, one here's what's sad. Never realized. Oh, really? Yeah. Look at you changing. I know. Evolving. I know. 
I don't like it. Um, I can tell. The look on your face. You <laughs> got a bit of beer paper. face over there. Get me the paper, damn it. I got a Monday morning. Anyways, um, but yeah, Randy Peterson quoted uh, Shelby in one of his articles, and we will talk to him at 1045. John Miller, Hawkeye Nation at 11, and then to wrap things up at 1120, Zubin Mahente, ESPN, will join us as we will go around the world of sports with Zubin, one of our favorite segments of the week. Uh, Cappy's in Arizona. We will talk with him tomorrow. I watched a little bit, just a tiny little bit, between when the uh, Virginia-North uh, Carolina game went to commercial for the first time. I flipped on Cappy, boy, I'm envious. Spring training. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the name of the facility that there's no not no longer Hoho Camp Park? It's got a new name. That's what I always think. Yeah, of it I as. do too. But it's, regardless, it's in Arizona. And Cappy and the the panel were there. They're there again tonight before they move over to White Sox camp uh, to spend the last three days. But have you been to many spring training sites? Oh, by the way, I have been one time in my life mm-hmm. as like an 11, 12 year old. Oh, I bet you were pumped up as 11, 12 year old. Not really. You really weren't. We, it wasn't Twins Camp. We were in Orlando. We went there to go to Disney. Uh huh. And a so family. the Braves had moved to Disney at that time. It wasn't even that. It was Kissimmee next door. Oh, well, that's Astros. The Astros. Yeah. And we. That, you know where that's. Well, you do, but our audience does. It's right. It's on a high school. Pop. Yeah, yeah. Now they've moved out of Kissimmee, I think. Now remember, this is like 1991. I mean, this is. And we just walked around the complex. Didn't go to a game or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, that's as close as I've been. It's on the bucket list, though. Oh, Need to get to Fort Myers some year. Yep. Watch my Twinkies. Yeah, and just go across town. And the, and the Red Sox yep. are in Fort Myers as well. I, for probably a, I don't know, five or six year block of time, mm-hmm. went every year. Yeah, you guys, I mean, that was a big. Yes. In the 90s, that was a big deal. Late 90s. The first time I was ever there, I was, I'm going to say 97. Mm-hmm. And that's before the Braves. So they were at West Palm Beach. They shared the complex with, um, with the Expos, mm-hmm. who were still in Montreal. Remember the kid that caught at Dowling? Mike Matheny? Mahoney? Mahoney? Mike Mahoney. Yeah. I think he was in the Braves camp okay. that year. He was in the, One of the years uh, I was there, I, I caught up with him. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that was the year. But And then Dodger Town, which is no longer there. Right. The Dodgers have moved to Arizona. I don't... Look, I get it. L.A., Arizona. Makes sense. It makes sense. And the, the fact that... And I'm guessing now Dodger Town has been developed... It's probably condos. Right. It was strip mall. Yeah, probably, right? Strip mall, something like that. Trent, it was euphoria. Yeah. It was like, um, it was paradise. It was, it was beautiful. So why, it, at least in my mind, why isn't spring, is it just baseball as a whole isn't as big of it's a deal? It's changed, I think, Trent. It used to be affordable, for yeah, one thing. Right. I mean, you could take, I remember my wife, my, my wife's, uh, Cindy, and, and we would take her kids, uh, and they were, Probably nine and twelve or okay. nine and eleven, and it was so easy to get. Especially if you go early in spring training, mm-hmm. the players are more willing to sign autographs. They just gotten there. By the time they get to the end of March, they're ready to play real games, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And they're sick of answering the same questions from different media that funnels through whatever mm-hmm. wherever they're at. Here comes the next group for this right, week, and now right. we've got to recycle the questions again. Precisely. Yeah. And here's another group of kids that are, Mr., 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 can you sign my ball? Can you sign my ball? But they used to be really good, um, and it used to be affordable. And, and now it's just, you know, and I think probably the Braves were the first to break the mold when they left West Palm Beach. It was an old, I guess you want to upgrade your facility. Absolutely. Right? 
Uh, but it was just so fan friendly at the time, and now they're in Disney and it's corporate mm-hmm. and it's just not the same. Lakeland, Florida, where the Tigers train still is, Tiger Town. What do they call it? They call it Tiger Town. Bradenton, where the Pirates train is still the same, at least it was. So would uh, you guys bounce around to the different? I would. Yeah. Yes, I would. I went for you know when I worked with Dyer, we would have the Cardinals, mm-hmm. and the Cardinals were at Jupiter at the time, and they had just built their new spring training facility. In fact, I'll never forget this because I saw a rookie that I couldn't believe that they were going to send to AAA. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't because this guy's the best player on the Cardinals, and this is probably 2000, 2001. Bob Dyer and I working at the Jock, but we moved. Yeah, yeah. He, he had that look right away. Had huh? That look right away. And do you remember who was going to keep him out of the lineup? Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. But Bobby Bonilla was hurt. So that's where he And got, that wow. opened the door for Poolhouse to come north with the team, and the rest is history. Um, but yeah, I love spring training. I loved it. Some year, maybe we should go back. Well, I'm getting. Yeah, I guess we could. Yeah. It was. Um, you it's know, tough the for me with state great. tournaments. Yeah, it is for you. It and it'd probably have to be later. But then we got NCAA term. It would have to be a year where the state schedule, it got pushed up this year because of the NCAA basketball tournament. Mm-hmm. Everything got pushed up. have to be a year that things are pushed back a little bit. And we can maybe get there right away, like yeah. middle of February. Well, like Cappy's doing. Pitchers yeah. and catches yep. are reporting today, and he's on the ground in Arizona. And um, I'm guessing that the people at uh, A on his radio show and B on NBC Sports Chicago are just lapping this baseball oh, coverage yes, up. yes, yes. Right? With the Bulls being yeah, but you know who's playing a little, not a little better. You know who's working their way back into playoff contention. Not not the T Wolves, even though they won last night. I I watched them. Did they? No, I mean, yeah, they are. I don't know. I don't know who they are. I mean, we know Cat. We know Wiggins. Yeah, Rose every third night. You know he's going to play. The the rookie from yeah 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 from Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Um, starts with an O. Yeah, it's a, a. a, Kog- a Kogi. A Kogi, yeah. yes. I had a Baji on the mind from last night. And he was an Esam. We'll get to him in about 30 seconds. Uh, the Blackhawks are playing really well. Are they? Yes, so play- climbing shot up at the, the playoffs? Standing. And so the St. Louis Blues. How about my Wild? Mm. I haven't watched him play in two months. By, my wild. No, I don't think. I don't think so. Well, they lost their captain, Koivo, who's up, yeah. he's out for the year. Matt Dumba was hurt, hurt early in the year. I think they're going to be the odd man out. But Blackhawks may get in. The Vision's just juggernaut. The Avs, the Stars, the Predators... Are all looking up at. Oh, there's one team you didn't mention. I, I knew where you're going. <laughs> uh, let's go to uh, let, let's go to Fort Worth from last night. I do want to touch on a little bit North Carolina and Virginia because that was such a fun game to watch. And by the way, that game, Trent, mm-hmm. it ended at 7:50, maybe 7:51, because I looked at the clock specifically because I couldn't believe that this thing's over already. You know, maybe I'm used to watching game because you're always getting the late game pushback, right? Absolutely. Or you're going to have to find it on another channel until the original of the six o'clock game is is finished. But we'll we'll let let's save North Carolina for for a second because the Big Twelve moves the needle here. And man, oh man, I thought that TCU was going to pull this off last night. I really did. But you know, you got to give credit to this Kansas team, and you know, I'm reluctant to do so for whatever reason. Them and the Patriots. You Them just, and the Patriots. Yes, those are the two the that seem to bother you the most. They do. You know what would bother me if I have a Kansas Jayhawk fan? is And, and look, it, it, it's hard to criticize anything Bill Self has done, right? Mm-hmm, I mean, after all, look at the run that they're on. But Akbashi Trent was redshirted until about 10 <laughs> games ago. Yeah. What were they doing? What, what didn't they see? I mean, was there an injury there? Was there an illness there that I 
forgotten about? Well, I would guess that they thought they were going to get a lot more out of Charlie Moore than they have. Charlie Moore is almost unplayable. Yeah. He came in, he averaged like, what, 16, 17 a game mm-hmm. as a freshman at Cal? Yeah, that's probably the reason. And I'm sure... Put separation between him yep. and Agbaji. I'm sure that's the reason behind it, but Charlie yeah. Moore, every time I see him on the floor, he's terrible. Yeah, he is. I mean, he, Fuck, he, you forget about him. He he might be due for another transfer. I mean, he, may, he <laughs> might need to go to the MVC. He's bad. How how could a guy go from averaging yeah. 17 a game as a freshman know. in the Pac-12, mm-hmm. which isn't great, but mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. and then this. He, he can't play. He's got freshmen that were redshirting, passing him by. Yeah. But you're right, Abaji, and all of a sudden... Dotson was good last night. Dotson was terrific. Those free throws down the stretch, yes. my God. He, he, I think it was six in a row he hit. Grimes wasn't very good, but those freshmen... No, but he had a couple... He had his moments in the game. You're right. He wasn't spectacular last They're night. Growing up. And lost... Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, Lawson wasn't great last night. No, he wasn't. No, for his standards. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. And you know, I like McCormick. I think he should even see a little bit more... Do punch. you? It just... I think they put too much on Lawson when they're playing mm-hmm. him at the five for mm-hmm. long stretches. There's lineups you want to do that with, but what did McCormick play last night? 17 minutes, I think the box yeah, score says. Yeah, close to that, I would say. See that? And that was in an overtime game. I'd right. like to see that number bump over 20. Mm-hmm. I, I like him out there. He, mm-hmm. He's limited offensively, but just that big body, that presence in there. This team's coming, Ken. I hate to say it, Trent, but I think I'm going to be... I'm not ready to say I'm going to be proven wrong. Two weeks from last night is, is going to decide it. But boy, TCU could have done... Um, you know, people that want to see that this thing come to an end, mm-hmm. and not not out of any lack of respect for this Jayhawks team, but it just gets boring. It gets boring. Yes, it gets boring. Now tonight, um, here's a massive game in the Big Twelve. I think. I oh, think yes. it's yes. You know what? There's five games. Have you looked at the slate tonight? I can make a case. It is an awesome. It's slate. terrific. I it's, told it's you really yesterday good. when we came in. Tomorrow's the day. I mean, it, yeah. tonight it is starting early at five thirty. Mm-hmm. Wall to wall college yep. basketball. You you can dial in for a good five hours, and you're gonna watch a lot of good hoops. I okay, think you're deal. In. You're in. Well, yeah. yeah, I got the Rangers and the Jets that'll take me away a little bit. But okay. Purdue, Maryland at five thirty. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin, Michigan State. Michigan State on the road at Wisconsin at six. I'm skipping over a game purposely because I want to come back to it because okay. I know you're gonna have your eye on it because of one reason. And we, pro- I probably should watch that game too. Uh, Michigan, Penn State is kind of good. Yeah, Michigan on the road, Penn State. Though they have good. one win there, yeah. they can be tough at home. They're yeah. really good inside. Right. And Teske gets in foul trouble. Well, we saw it and against we've Iowa. we've seen Teske get in foul trouble. They're, they struggle because they mm-hmm. don't have depth inside. That's a very good point. That game's kind of a tier below, but meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, Duke and Louisville. Kind of? Yes. I mean, Louisville's a top 20 team. Duke is on the road, coming off their... You know, they're trouncing, if you want to call it that, and I think it's fair because they never gave Virginia a chance in the basketball game. How about Chris Mack, the job that he's done? Yes, I agree with you. I mean, and look at the step yes. back the Xavier's made this year. They lost a lot off of last year's mm-hmm. team, but that guy's a What, hell what of was coach. Chris Mack in the new? Oh, didn't, didn't he have a tiff with kind of, remember when Saban did earlier in the year? No. Yeah, Saban had one early and he kind of apologized. With Maria Taylor, and then they ended up making a commercial together. Jeez. I think Chris Mack got into it with um, an ESPN halftime. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit of a red ass. Uh, yeah. But the game, Trent, that I think, for me anyways, is going to take precedence over any of them, is K-State at Texas. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you're an Iowa State fan, and I know there's plenty listening right now, mm-hmm. if you have a hope of at least getting a share of the mm-hmm. title... You want Texas to win. In a big way. 
Or do you? Yeah, you do. Because Kansas State coming off a loss back at home Saturday, that's the next matchup. That's the difficult part here. Because obviously, in terms of standings, you want K-State to get as many losses mm-hmm. as possible. But I'm sticking with I'm sticking your roof for Texas. I get where you're going. You don't want this team to be, you know, reeling a little bit by right. the time Iowa State pays a visit. Is that three o'clock? I'm pretty sure it's three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Um, the bounce back factor. Yeah, I get that. A little bit of a concern, but I think the original point stands. Mm-hmm. You want them to take losses. Yeah, you do. This is a team playing really well. Take the losses wherever they could come. And this is certainly one of those toss-up games tonight at Texas. Uh, the game I passed over that I think we should probably spend some time, just not to talk about tomorrow, um, we both have said yesterday we need to see more of LSU. And they, mm-hmm. they're, they're in Lexington tonight to take on Kentucky. There's ever a time to watch them? Yeah, but it's got, there's so much going on. Michigan State, Wisconsin, Maryland, and Purdue. I like both of those schools. I'm going to take you in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> okay. Do you, do you have any memory of an LSU-Kentucky game? Because when you said that, something just popped into my mind. Um, Early 90s, I want to say. In fact, I think it was after Shaq was there. Chris Jackson? Yep. Even after that. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf? I think even after that. Chris Jackson, right? Yeah, Yeah, Chris Jackson. Um, I don't know. Huge comeback. And I want to say it was something like 26 points. One of the two was down. It was an ESPN game. I remember watching my grandma's because I think Iowa might have been playing that night. We didn't have cable, so I had to go to grandma's whenever I was on ESPN. It was a huge comeback. I want to say 26-28 in the hmm. second half. going to have to do a little research. So you research. got to that game late then if I was following, I'm assuming? <laughs> right, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, Keith Miller coming up. We'll talk sports wagering. Shelby Mast on uh, the brackets at uh, oh, in about 25 minutes from night, right now. Bracketwag.com. Uh, it's going to be fun to see this, uh, this thing unfold. I, I don't want to wish it away, Trent. I really don't. I kind of... On one hand, you kind of want to see how it's going to all shake out, yeah. but it's so much fun watching this night after night. And, you know, your your opinion changes kind of on a nightly basis. Like, I thought K-State was home free yesterday at this time. I tried to tell you. I still think I'm right, but Kansas, man. Kansas is getting a share of this. They're getting a share. They're two games down. Mm-hmm. They still get them this time in tomorrow, Lawrence. Tomorrow, are we talking about... Three loss, oh, three loss K State team. What's the line on this game tonight? Do you have Texas K State number? I had it a moment ago. Let me find it here quickly as I go well, back. Well, can you find the Big Ten, the, the yes. Big Ten games, all and right. this Big Twelve tilt? Got them all right here. All right, fire away. Kansas State at Texas. Your guess is? I don't know. I'm better at football. Um, I know you are. K State one, Texas by three. Okay. Michigan at Penn State. Michigan would be big. Michigan's Michigan's eight. Six and a half. Okay. Uh, Michigan State at Wisconsin. That's a tricky one. That's a very tricky one. Wisconsin would be favored two and a half. Michigan State by a point and a wow. half. Purdue at I, am Maryland. Am I for three? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You've been more, more than a point and a half off. Yeah. So I don't get credit. No. no. Yeah. Purdue at Maryland. Purdue at Maryland. Maryland is favored three. Oh, you're off by five and a half. Purdue by two and a half. How about LSU and Kentucky? Well, I'm due. Uh, Kentucky's favored, and they are favored by five and a half. Eight and a half. <laughs> Told How you about, I was better at football. Well, let's talk to somebody maybe that can help us well, out Well, he doesn't do here. point spreads, but he's going to help <laughs> us uh, whether indeed uh, there was a monkey wrench thrown into this thing last week. Are we still on track for sports wagering to be legal? I believe we are. But I believe that the four parties, and, and for whatever reason, I can never remember the fourth. So it's the horsemen, mm-hmm. it's the lottery, it's the casinos, 
Supermarkets? No, that's the lottery. I okay. Think. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is the convenience store supermarket. No, I think that they're lob. Um, I was almost at the High V last week, High V North in Ankeny, and there was a WHO TV crew mm-hmm. that was going carrying their cameras into the store. Uh, and I didn't watch the news. I, I seldom watch the local news. Um, but I wonder what they were there for. Were they there mm. because that was seemingly like the day after that it became known that the, well, if you listen to this show, you would have known for weeks. Oh, right, right. That Hy-Vee and Casey's both wanted to be a part of this. But I think it became, it was published in, in after one of those meetings that they wanted. And so I wonder if that was what they were doing. What else would they be doing there? I don't know. Gas prices. Gas prices. Cold Romaine weather. lettuce. You never know. I guess you don't. We'll talk to Keith Miller. He knows some stuff. We're going to pick his brain next. Professor Keith Miller, Drake University, sports wagering at Iowa. Did we? T- was there a setback last week? We'll ask him. Shelby Mass, 20 minutes or so away, bracketswag.com. John Miller at 11, Zubin Mahente at 11.20, Trent and I until noon. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460K. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. I see what you did there, Trent Condon. Yeah, you like that one? Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Just real quick, some Big 12 basketball news. According to Jeff Goodman, K-State sophomore guard Cartier Jara, who's really coming on. Yes, he has. uh, Is uh, going to miss a significant amount of time. He has a hand injury that will require surgery. Uh, Double digits in the last four games. Athletic as you know what. and um, It's all coming up Jayhawks. It's all coming up Jayhawks. Let's get to Professor Keith Miller in here as we talk sports wagering in our wonderful state of Iowa. Professor Miller, Keith Miller, this is Ken Miller. My partner's Trent Condon. Good to talk to you, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate you coming on. And, you know... As I read the news last week about all the groups that were coming forward, and I know you paid close attention to it as well, all the entities that want to have a say in how this legislation will actually um, you know, be written and hopefully be passed uh, down the road, it became kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of a red flag going up that, boy, oh boy, it sure would have been nice if they could have all gotten together with one voice. I think that that would have made the path to legalize sports wagering a whole lot easier. What's your take? Did it suffer kind of a setback or is it just a hurdle that they'll have to get around? I don't think it was a setback. I think that uh, Representative uh, Bobby Kaufman, who's been uh, the floor manager of this bill, or or at least will be when it uh, gets put together, he wanted to make sure that everybody had a chance to uh, make their pitch and say why the casino industry, why the lottery, or why the horsemen should be in control of sports betting. And... I think the strategy was give everybody a chance to uh, make their pitch, and then they'll go back and draft a bill 
and I don't think it's it, it's not impossible, but it's going to be very difficult to reconcile uh, these competing interests mm-hmm. that the that the parties have. But I do think that it was uh, effective to let everyone here, the subcommittees here, uh, here here's the way it would work with the lottery. Here's the way it would work with the casinos and the horsemen and so on. With all these hands out, with the uh, possibility of some conflicts out there and, and some running into some you know, people that are upset about this, is there a realistic chance that we don't get sport betting because of all these entities trying to get their piece and it just blowing up? Is that a realistic possibility? It could be. I think that if something would not get passed, it would be less a matter of the um, battles among the various interest groups. I think it would be more a matter of it is a gambling bill. And mm-hmm. for some legislators, I think uh, they struggle with the idea that they're going to go home and tell their constituents, uh, I voted in favor of expanding gambling. Mm-hmm. And uh, Representative Kaufman at the end of the subcommittee hearing the other day made a comment that I thought was very, very uh, astute. He said, I defy anybody to say that what we're talking about is an expansion of gambling because this sports betting is already here. Right. And we can either turn our uh, eyes away from it or we can do the right thing, and that is regulate it, license it, tax it. Uh, so we are not expanding gambling. We're taking the gambling that's illegal that's already going on and uh, making it legal. And I think that he's trying to give cover to the uh, legislators who are concerned about uh, having to explain to their constituents that they voted in favor of a gambling bill. Uh, Professor Keith Miller from Drake is our guest as we talk sports wagering, potential sports wagering uh, here in the state of Iowa. Here's what I don't understand, Professor. Uh, and look, my background is in horse racing. I'm glad that the, you know the horsemen came together back when Prairie Meadows closed in 1991, and they were the uh, the impetus or the the real the the, the real movers behind this expansion of gambling in Polk County, which has led to Prairie Meadows, which has opened the door statewide. But I don't understand why they believe that they should have a say in this. How were, what, 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 how were they qualified to oversee sports wagering? They're not qualified to oversee paramutual wagering. They have no hand in that. They are, they, you know, they, 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 um, raise the horses. They race the horses. But I don't understand what in the world gives them license to appear, uh, as an entity that should have a say on how this is going to come together. The, the point they make, um, and that they made at subcommittee hearings, is that for all the talk about uh, Internet gambling and the, the illegalities of Internet gambling, the one form of Internet gambling that is legal under federal law is uh, horse racing, mm-hmm. that the Interstate Horse Racing Act that was um, repassed in the year 2000 uh, allows people to register online yep. and bet on horse racing around the world. And part of what the horsemen were saying is, we've already got experience in this uh, mobile betting that's going to be the future of sports betting. Uh, we're not new to this, and we've got that experience. Um, I'm not sure how persuasive that is going to um, be, but they 
did not appear to be at all apologetic about being there, wow. saying that they should participate. Well, look, ExpressBet.com, TwInspires.com, TVG.com, those are the three big ones. That's not the Iowa Horseman. <laughs> I mean, I don't get their experience. Sure, they can, like me, I play horses online legally, um, as you just mentioned, because of the uh, the Wire Act. I don't get their spot. But regardless whether I like it or not, they've got to say at the table. So take me to the convenience stores and apparently the high V who are anxious to participate in this. And what I'm hearing, Professor Miller, is that if they're involved with the lottery, that it's not going to be a, perhaps, it's not going to be single game, uh, single sports game, meaning you can't go up and bet the winner of uh, Iowa State, uh, uh, Kansas State this weekend. But the lottery is interested in putting, you know, parlays together type of thing, similar to what they do in Delaware. Is that what you've heard regarding the convenience stores as well as the uh, um, the high V chain? Yes, they are um, um, interested not even as much because they think that they would make money directly off that betting, but it's good for foot traffic, and it wow. brings people in. Mm-hmm. Uh, people uh, may buy other items there. But that, Ken, what you mentioned is is exactly what the lottery is saying, is we don't want to infringe on people going to Prairie Meadows or some other casino and betting on sports. We're looking out for the casual better who just wants to go into the convenience store, not is not going to spend any time there like they would at Prairie Meadows where they would go out perhaps get something to eat, mm-hmm. uh, do other gambling. We're just looking for the casual better who wants to spend a few dollars on parlay bets. And we've already got the machines set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wouldn't take much to adapt those machines for sports betting and parlay betting. And um, their presentation, I thought, was very... Um, was very good, very direct, and asking for just a piece of that um, market. And they have the support of some very strong interests. When you mentioned High V, the convenience stores, that's that's a pretty powerful group of uh, of uh, businesses in a state. So, Keith, uh, another component to all of this is the people that morally don't believe that Sports wagering should be legalized. Is is that anything that is a concern? Is there a a, a background of, of some constituents that are going to go down that road? Do you see that being a, a potential roadblock down the line? There are people who oppose gambling, and there are people who have opposed sports betting for a long time. The uh, prohibition against sports betting from 1992 was based on the idea that uh, legalized sports betting would undermine the integrity of the games that it would be corrupting, it would cause youth to think that sporting events were held not for competition's sake, but as an opportunity for people to gamble. And I think that instinct is one that many people still have, and um, I think it's quite understandable if people have moral objections to it. I do think that sports betting is a little different because of how uh, widespread it is, how many people engage in it, and how legalizing it, regulating it would probably be better. My biggest concern, as I said before, is uh, sports betting is very attractive to young people. Mm -hmm. The demographic of 21 to 34 is the uh, demographic that likes sports betting the most. And those people in that age bracket are also very much at risk for developing gambling disorders. And I don't think enough attention is given to... um, not only 
saying, oh, 1-800-BETS-OFF. You can call that if you have a problem. Right. But getting the word out to people that there's no shame in seeking treatment, getting word out to people that there are uh, ways of addressing this, doing research, and being really part of the conversation. I think it's for the overall good of the state and the overall good of sports betting to acknowledge these are some things we're going to have to uh, address. So I ultimately, I, uh, I don't think judging from the subcommittee hearings and the people who voiced those moral concerns, I, I don't see that as being uh, an impediment. Uh, I think that Representative Kaufman, who certainly is a, as a Republican and I think would have the chops to be considered a conservative Republican, is very much uh, at ease with the idea that this is not expanding gambling. We're just taking something out of the dark mm-hmm. and and making it um, something where it can be regulated. Yeah, no, no question about it. A couple more minutes with Professor Keith Miller of Drake, who's very in tuned on sports wagering, the potential of it to take place here uh, in, in the state of Iowa. Where are you on the integrity fee, Professor Miller, that the leagues are after? I know Chris Rant is, uh, uh, is the lobbyist on behalf of the leagues. They want an integrity fee. I could see them being successful as far as selling their stats, selling their data, especially if in-run wagering, in-game wagering takes off like it has uh, in the U.K. Do you think they're going to get an integrity fee? Do you think they deserve it? They haven't gotten one yet in any of the states that have uh, legalized sports betting. I don't think there is, I don't feel like there's a lot of sentiment among legislators that it is a good idea. One one point that I think is important is uh, sports betting, as we know, has been going on illegally in the United States, $100 billion to $150 billion a year. And that presents a real threat to the integrity of the games itself. And we'd have to assume that the leagues have been dealing with this issue before. And what I struggle to understand is why they say that a legal and regulated form of sports betting will put them to more costs than they've experienced with illegal sports betting that's going on around the world. It would seem to me to be just the reverse, that they would have fewer of those problems. Um, they are going to persist. Um, in, in they, they need a win. They, they need one state to say, we're going to grant you uh, a fee. Mm-hmm. And if they get that, then I think that uh, they believe that they'd have some momentum. New York is a good possibility um, for that. I know Kansas is considering it. I don't think Iowa will be the state that they get their breakthrough. That would be the one prediction I would, would make is that it, I, I think would be unlikely um, if they got compensated. But these are the sorts of deals that are banged out with lots of compromises. So um, it, it's a prediction, but it's certainly not a bet. Well, speaking of uh, cons- uh, you know, getting the money back, people believe this is going to be a windfall for the state of Iowa, that new schools and roads and the potholes are going to be filled in. Stop the brakes. Yeah, it, it's not the cash cow I think that many people are believing. Can you ballpark it at all? What What kind of revenue you think this could generate for the state of Iowa what's going to go back here into our state with legalized wagering in sports? One um, market research group estimated that 
in the first year or two, uh, if Iowa legalized sports betting and had a mobile component to it, mm-hmm. that the overall handle would be around $100 million. That means $100 million bet. But historically, about 95% of that goes back to the people right. who place the bets. Mm-hmm. So you take 95% off of that $100 million, and you're left with, what, $5 million? Mm-hmm. That's really the basis for uh, what would be taxed. And casinos in Iowa last year paid over $300 million Jeez. in gaming taxes. <laughs> and the idea that we might get another 7 or 8 or 10% of that much smaller figure, it, it really is, uh, it is not a budget game changer. And I give a lot of credit to the, Amer- the Iowa Gaming Association and West Erke in not presenting it in that way. Right. And I think the legislators have, uh, when they've spoken up, they have very clear thinking that this is not, at least at the beginning, it is not going to be uh, a cash cow. I have two more questions and I have one minute. Will they take Iowa and Iowa State games off the board? Because I have not heard that. I uh, I don't think they will. The argument that they're raising is if you take them off the board, going to bet anyway. Then there'll still be money yep. bet uh, in in any event. And that my understanding is the regents have not weighed in with any preference that the games be taken off. The board. And finally, I know you're not in the prediction business, but I'm going to ask you: Do you think it's likely? I'll put it this way: Do you think it's likely that when football rolls around in uh, late August, early September, that we are taking that we're placing bets legally in the state of Iowa on sports? Um, I would say um, yes is about a minus 120. <laughs> nice. that, that it is a slight favorite that we will have legalized sports betting by by football season, but it, it really is. It is a very treacherous and very highly politicized area. So um, um, that would be my prediction. If it didn't come to be, I will not be mm-hmm. saying, oh my gosh, what happened? Because there will be things that have happened. But um, that would be my minus 120. That's my bet on yes. My man. <laughs> uh, Keith, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this. I apologize to our audience for not to finding you earlier. You're a terrific resource, and we will uh, impose on you again. Thank you, Professor Miller. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Good to talk to you, Professor Keith Miller-Drake. Quick timeout. We come back. Uh, we're late. Shelby Mass, Bracketologist, uh, BracketWag.com, Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Cyclones, Panthers, and Bulldogs. Yeah, we got that covered. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Around the rock for you. I love it, Trent Condon. Welcome back. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Let's get right to it. Shelby Mass, BracketWag.com. Shelby, Trenton, can apologize for being a few minutes late, but thank you for being patient and flexible with us. How are you, Shelby? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing well. Uh, give us your biggest mover, either up or down your bracket from this uh, since we last spoke. Probably Oklahoma. I had them around the 6 or 7 line last week, and they're down to the 10 line, and they're my last team on the 10 line. So they are in danger. That's uh, leading to where we're going with the Big 12. And the Big 12 look like Ken's been big in the Kansas State camp. News today, the Cartier Daria is going to be out for an extended time, if not the season. We've been playing really well for the Wildcats. We saw Kansas win last night. 
in terms of bracketing, in terms of the Big 12 this year ranked very highly as a conference as a whole, what does a regular season title do for a term in terms of bracketing, in terms of the procedure? I know each team is looked at individually, but what kind of bump would a regular season title give for a Kansas State, an Iowa State, a Baylor, or a Kansas, if anything? It wouldn't. I mean, mm. just the fact that you won the regular season title, for me, that doesn't necessarily bump you up. What bumps you up is who you beat along the way to get there. So if you lose to Kansas and lose to Texas Tech and lose to Iowa State, but you're beating up on West Virginia, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and you know a few mix and match games in there, it it you know you need to beat those bigger guys along the way. And if you if you can't do that, then that's not really going to help the fact that you won. Hmm. Who's your overall number one? Is it still Tennessee, or did Dukes win uh, on the road on Saturday night over Virginia? Did that uh, elevate them to your overall number one? Well, that was part of it. Plus, the committee had their big reveal on Saturday. Yeah. Duke was their number one overall. So, since I'm trying to emulate them, them, I rearranged my top 16 to match theirs. I did have 15 of them right. So, that's not too bad. No, I did. But uh, I missed on Villanova. And, I, you know, I, no big deal there. I was a little high on them, I think, higher than others, and especially higher than the committee. Uh, but I'm okay with what I had. Duke being overall number one, beating Virginia at Virginia did nothing but solidify that and now they got Louisville tonight that's not mm-hmm. going to be an easy one another one of those teams with a big bracket reveal I think people were having a difficult time placing in the bracket is Nevada and the Wolfpack are 23 and one their one loss they got blown out by New Mexico and then avenge that on Saturday when you look at the Wolfpack there's not a whole lot on the resume going forward the Mountain West is down again this season what's the upside what best case scenario they win out and I know it's in a vacuum, and everybody else, you know, is is also out there. Is it a two line? Is is that maybe the best case scenario for Nevada? That is stretching it. Two, wow. They a lot of other things have to fall in place. As of right now, they haven't even played a quad one game, <laughs> and the committee wants you to have some of those games, and they don't have any, and they've only got one opportunity left. They got a road game at Utah State, who's hovering around the outside of the bubble. They're yeah, you know, still a team I need to keep an eye on, but not take it too seriously. So they need to win that one for sure. And if they beat Utah State again in the finals of the conference tournament and some other teams falter along the way, they could get to a two. But I think a realistically a three is their ceiling. When you watch Virginia North Carolina last night, knowing they lost, I'm talking about the Tar Heels, lost a couple of guys. At least Johnson was out for a significant chunk of the second half. He did come back in, but little didn't. Does that come into um, to play when you because you kept North Carolina on the two line and I agree with it I think they they clearly belong there um, Virginia still is still a one seed after all but what about during the game last night and the two in game injuries how big of a factor if at all for me right now not a big factor where it's going to come into play is if we're coming down the stretch here selection Sunday and it's between North Carolina and I'm going to say Michigan. For the last one seed, mm-hmm. just just an example. If that if they, the, the the difference between the two is so minute that they start dissecting in game situations like that, that's where it would come into play. But the overall picture, it didn't affect anything. I didn't drop them even a little bit because Virginia is a very very good team. There's no shame in losing to them. Uh, having said that, are they and your ones are Duke, Virginia, Tennessee, and Gonzaga? Is is Virginia in the most precarious spot right now? Do they need to 
What do they need to do to stay on the one, or are they in danger of perhaps slipping to that two, and maybe it is the Big Ten champion that gets elevated? They are my third overall number one right now. Had they lost last night, I would have moved them down to the two line and elevated Kentucky. So Gonzaga, for me, due to the fact that they really don't have any tough games left either, if they were to lose one of those, that's a black eye on their resume, and I think they would fall. Virginia, I think, could absorb another loss on the road to Louisville, you know, something like that. But to a good team, they could absorb that and still stay on the one line. Gonzaga, I don't unless it's a road game at St. Mary's, and I don't know if they even have that game left. Uh, but that would probably be the only one they could afford to lose, where they might not drop off the one line. Shelby Bass joining us, USA Today bracketologist. Shelby. Iowa, the Hawkeyes get a win Sunday night in miraculous fashion against Northwestern, down by 15 with four and a half to play and get the win. Yet, I saw they dropped in the net, they dropped in the RPI, though the RPI isn't a component anymore, dropped in Ken Palm. Dropped at BracketWag.com. And they're on the six line right now, Shelby. Tell us a little bit more of your thoughts on this Hawkeye team. And I, I know for a lot of Hawkeye fans, they say, you won. How can you drop the net component in efficiency? How big of a role that plays? Well, that didn't affect them dropping for me. I actually dropped them on Saturday after mm. after the committee revealed their bracket, mm-hmm. top 16, because then they listed the next four teams who were in discussion for the four line, so that those four would be the five line, and Iowa wasn't there. So that's the only reason I dropped them. Gotcha. The committee didn't mention them. Uh, they would have dropped to the seven, maybe the eight line, had they lost that game the other night. But somehow they pulled that one out, uh, and they're going to stay on the sixth line for me. I'm almost at a point with them where they're a, a complete lock where they could lose all the rest of their games and be in. I'd like them to get a couple more wins before I can officially say they're a lock, but they're pretty darn close. Indiana in danger of joining Nebraska on that uh, first four out for you? They are my last team in, and the only reason I'm keeping them in, and I had heard from some Indiana fans yesterday who were angry that I kept them in, which is kind of weird. <laughs> really? It's weird. Uh, they, they're kind of a weird group up there. Yeah. But uh, Indiana, you know, the bracket reveal came out Saturday. They listed 16 teams. There are six teams in the country who have beaten three or more of those teams, and Indiana's one of them. Mm. Indiana has no losses to quad three or quad four teams. So those those big wins will carry them a little bit longer, but they got to start getting some wins. The, you know, at some point, the total number of losses will play a big part in you being left out of the tournament. Hmm. So uh, a final thing, and it concerns Iowa State, and they were part of the bracket unveil on Saturday morning that you're referring to. Then a couple of hours later, they would lose at home at, at uh, t- uh, against TCU, who got beat last night, as we saw in overtime, by Kansas. Had the committee waited another week before their unveil, would you have dropped Iowa State due to the loss at home to TCU? That would have been a tough one. I, I think I would have, considering where I had them. They were my fourth four seed. The committee had them as the top four seed. So losing at home to TCU, it, it, it dings them a little bit. But TCU's fighting for their lives right now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't think that was enough to drop them a full line. It dropped them to my fourth overall uh, four seed. But they're still, I, I feel like with them, they're, they're a lot. 
I, I still want to see a few more wins out of them, but I, I think in the end they're probably going to be a protected seed. Well, there'll be lots of change, I anticipate, between uh, now and the next time we talk to you on Tuesday at the same time. BracketWag.com, BracketWag.com. He's Gannett's Bracketologist. He's Shelby Maston. He's with Miller and Condon. Thank you, Shelby. We'll talk to you in a week. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for Thank you. Me. Shelby Mast. BracketWag.com, Iowa State of four, Iowa a six. John Miller wrote a great piece at HawkeyeNation.com on the comebacks through the years. We'll talk to John next. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO.